Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by DIYs, a free phone app that lets you video chat with licensed professionals whenever a do-it-yourself project has you stumped. Calls are free until the end of the year, so visit DIYs.com YHL, that's DIYZ.com, or download it today for Apple or Android devices. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're talking to Bob and Courtney Novogratz about creating the ultimate guest space as well as designing with their seven kids in mind. Plus, we break down a paint color decision that has us totally, completely stumped. Hello. 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 <laughs> supposed to harmonize. Hello. Hello. Nope. <laughs> nope, that didn't sound nope. good. Okay, normal hello. Hi, Sherry. Why don't you start off with what's new this week? So one thing that's new with both of us is that we're actually trying to pick a paint color for the beach house. And we have always had brick houses. But this is a house with wood siding on all sides. And it's turning into a big deal. So the beach house is going to be like an expensive repainting job with people on ladders. And it just feels like we need to get it right. Yeah. And we keep buying little test pots of paint. And at this point, we've gone through 14 of them. Oh my gosh, is it that many? It's seven and seven. We've done it twice now. And each time I'm like, we're getting closer. And we leave and I'm like, not close at all. (laughs) Can I I like break down the problem, the issue we're having for people? So the house currently, I would describe it as kind of like a... Gray green. Yeah, gray green with tan trim. Like sure. Yellowy, yes, like a yellowy, tawny yeah. trim. Yes. And so the street we're on, we're one of four houses that is exactly the same. And two of them are these really kind of bright, cheerful blue colors. Like one's kind of a navy and one is a little bit more aqua. Right. And it's a beach community. So yeah. houses are bright. There's a coral house. There are yellow houses. There are lots of green houses. Yeah. There are lots of blue houses. And both of those have like bright white trim. So they're very like poppy and colorful. Cheerful. Yeah. They're not shy. They're not drinking violets. No. And then there's us. And then the one on the other side is painted more like it has kind of the cream trim and like almost like a Williamsburg blue. It's a little bit more like traditional looking. And actually, there's some houses even across the street from us that are similar in style. And they're all painted fairly light colors. Like there's yeah. like a light pink. There's white. And so we're also having to make this decision as to like what color choice fits the best in this neighborhood. Right. Because you're like, well, obviously, if we painted it a color we liked, it would probably be like a gray blue. Yeah, we'd probably choose a blue. blue but-, but since there's three houses on either side of us that are tones of blue, we keep thinking, oh, but it would be so painted ladies. Like it would be such a fun choice of a bold, not blue among these other blues to make the corner look all full of bright, varied houses instead of turning into like the gradient of blue houses that sits on the corner. Right. So now we're like, is it light pink? And I'm like, John, are you a pink house person? I think I could get behind it for a beach house. I mean, I think that's the other factor is like, it's a beach house. Like it's allowed to be playful and maybe a little bit more garish than you would in like a normal like suburban neighborhood. Right. I know. it's. It almost feels like a letdown if we pick some safe, stately color, like gray. You can't go wrong with like a medium yeah. gray with white trim. Well, and for a while, I was like really on this gray train of like, I thought gray would be a nice like kind of moment of relief amongst all the color and like we have this door on it which we're kind of leaving as is but just sealing it but leaving it wood i thought like the gray with white trim and like a wood door would be a really sophisticated palette right 
But then like a week later, I was like, it's not really boring for a beach house. I know, we keep going back and forth because the safe choice is the boring thing. So like, are you boring and safe, but you don't make a big mistake? Or do you like go out on a limb to be interesting, but then maybe offend everyone's eyes for 10 years because it's wrong? (laughs) Does your interesting choice conflict with the other interesting choices that have been made? Right. Because in a vacuum, we could pick some great, cheerful, blue, gray, happy color. But with the different blue, gray colors on either side of us and the navy on the corner, I'm worried it will look like a gradient. Yeah, and I'm also feeling the pressure to kind of bridge between these poppy colorful houses on one side and the more subdued traditional house on the other side. Right. Which side do we pick? (laughs) (laughs) It's the Montagues and the Capulets. And then to, to add confusion to the whole thing, we drive around every time we go and we look at other houses and I'm a crazy person who has swatches in my hand and I jump out of the moving vehicle, basically. Yeah. I tuck and roll. I land on the sidewalk with my swatches and I run up to the house and I hold my swatch card against the house if I like the house color of this stranger. And I'm yes. ready to say, hi, hello, yeah. I'm a neighbor. If you live in Cape Charles, Virginia and you see Sherry outside your window, she's probably just checking out the I'm color. I'm looking at, and it's a compliment. It means I like the color of your house. But anyway, to complicate things, we saw this house that was this beautiful, like, fawn brown color. That sounds so boring, right? But it wasn't. It was like a deep and bold enough. It was almost like, you know how interesting a navy house is or a dark gray house is? It was sort of like a gray brown, but a deep enough, rich enough color that in the street, it stuck out with the white trim. It just popped. And I thought, well, that's really fun. Maybe we do that. But now I'm second guessing, like, brown. A Are brown you really beach saying house. a brown beach house? <laughs> right? Like, and then we go back to, oh, maybe it should just be sand colored, like a tan, because that's beachy. Yeah. But then is that boring? So we're going in circles. And every time we bring a color, exterior colors are really hard because they wash out. So yeah. something inside that looks nuanced and light pink outside will read as white. Like, yeah. you will not see the color. Same with all these blue grays and light greens and light, you know, we're doing like a mint and we're trying all these fun beachy colors, coral. And outside, they're either reading as white or they're reading as crazy carnival color. Like yeah. we either get it totally too saturated and nuts or it's so light next to the white trim, they look like they're both yeah. white. And I'll say one thing that has helped us, though, in narrow down the choices that we've done, if someone else is finding themselves in the same conundrum, is using Pinterest to look at exterior colors because there's lots of roundups of good exterior colors and you can see the pictures of them on houses. So we've been pulling a lot from those. Right. So I've been Googling. I do Google and I do Pinterest. And I'll look up like Oyster Bay Sherwin-Williams exterior house. I'll just see what comes up. And there will inevitably be a home painted that color. And it will not only show me that, but it will say what they used on the shutters and the trim. And it's helpful because then I know, oh, they like this white with that green. Because I I do go back and forth about do we just stick with green because that's the soul of our house is it's been green. And do we make it just a fresher green? Right. Even just painting the trim white versus the cream would make it feel a little bit livelier, I think. Right. And no matter what, we have to paint the whole thing yeah. for upkeep. So, But it seems like, oh, if you're going to pay to paint the whole thing, you might as well change the color, right? Yeah, because I like, feel like we're trying anyway. to signal to the neighborhood that we are breathing new life in this place. And so I feel like it should have a distinctly new color to it. Yeah. So we're going we're going round and round. <laughs> are we overcomplicated? <laughs> no, well, I think you can't undercomplicate it or you paint it the wrong color. And that is not the easier solution. Yeah. We really have to think it through. And the amount of times I've been so confident while holding the swatch and even holding the paint can next to the house and then I put it on the house and I'm like nope (laughs) like it's not even like I'll let it dry and see it's like immediately like bad step away from the paint can so we're learning that it just might take more than 14 test pots fortunately we still have to fix all the siding on one side of the house before we can 
even paint it. So we don't have to have a decision made right now. This is just like one of those decisions that's making us feel excited about the progress of the house. Since Right. It's nice to putter around with fun things like this instead of think about the foundation. Yeah. Since there's, not, there's not much other progress going on right now. But you have a what's new and it's something that has nothing to do with the beach house. Look no. at us. No, my what's new is that we got new computers. The reason we got new computers is the laptops that both of us have been working on were ones we purchased, I think, in 2012, but they were refurbished models that we got um, from Apple.com. They were MacBook Pros that were 2011 era. So they're, they were five-year-old computers. And over the last like year or two, mine has been acting up so much. I've had it repaired I think five times. Five times in one year. Yeah, and four of those times has been the video card has gone out at me. And what I learned when I took it to a local repair shop we have here, they said that there's actually like a known issue with this. It's a lemon. They called it a lemon. And I'm like, then give us a new one. They're like, well, we're not Mac, so we can't do it. But Mac agrees. If this same video card fails three times in one year, you get a new one. Ours failed Three times. Three times in a year and a month. Yes, I've just missed it (laughs) to get my new computer for free. But... Um, we finally were just kind of fed up. Like, notably, it has also crashed. And mine just crashed. So yeah. on Sunday, my computer just went black. And that's the video card. It's done it. And it was the last draw for Sherry. Oh, I lost my mind, guys. I lost my mind. I didn't even keep it cool. I was like, we've poured so much money into fixing these computers. They should last longer than this. And they keep convincing us to keep fixing them. Because at some point, you just want to cut your losses. Like, you'd yeah. rather put the 200 well, into the new computer. And somehow, my computer has known to, like, bail out at inopportune times. Right. Like, mine died right before we went to the Haven Conference and... That was a trip where we also had a speaking gig in Greenville, South Carolina. And it took our presentation with it. Yeah, it took our presentation. It went down in a ball of flames. It also died um, the morning that we took our blogging break back in 2014. Just straight up went black. Yep. It was like, you know what? If you guys are out for a little while, I'm out too. I guess that wasn't totally inopportune. We use our computers hard. Like they do a lot for our outside clients and they have to work for what we do with Young House Love. And we do we do back up regularly, so it's not it's not the end of the world. But um Sherry got just another MacBook Pro that was similar to the one we had. She did not get the one with the fancy new touch bar. Yeah, we, I didn't I'm like a grandma. I'm like, just give me the same thing. But John got a fancy computer. Well, I didn't get a fancy computer. I just got a desktop. I got an iMac because I actually realized because of this podcast, I could really use a lot more screen space. We've been working on 15-inch laptops, which has been fine for most things. But at the prospect of getting a 21-inch screen where I could see a lot more of my audio timeline while we're editing the podcast was enticing to me. So I'm working on my first desktop in, I think, 11 years. <laughs> Maybe. I know. I haven't had a desktop since college. Yeah. So it's a little bit of an adjustment. But so far, I'm really happy that I made the decision to get more viewable workspace. Okay. Do we have any updates? We do. We do have an update. We do. Well, we love these polls, you guys. Thank you for taking the polls. You play along very well. We love you for that. Sherry's referring to the polls that we often put in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Yeah, and it's amazing. The decluttering epiphanies from episode 24. How many people took that one? Uh, I think like 500, at least as of this recording about that. And it was interesting, the result. That was one you had been talking about, this decluttering epiphanies article that you read. And one of the epiphanies the author had was that she should get rid of some of the stuff that she's hanging on to just in case. Yeah, she was saying, if I have 100 things I'm hoarding because I might need two or three, I'll never know what two or three I'll need. But do I want to hang on to 100 or would I rather let go of 100 things and rebuy two or three? 
Yeah, so in the quiz, we asked you guys, would you prefer to keep more things so you won't need to rebuy them in case they're needed in the future? Or do you prefer to keep fewer things so you won't need to store them in the interim? 76% of people said they would prefer to keep fewer things rather than store them in the interim. Which is totally how I felt when I read the article. I was completely sold on like, get rid of all the just in case. Stop keeping extras. Stop keeping stuff that you don't use. That's how I want to live. It's just surprising to me that a lot of people... Maybe this is an aspirational answer for a lot of people. Maybe. You know, because I'm really trying to pare down. I've been going nuts on the house and I continue to do so. Every week I get a bee (laughs) in my bonnet and I organize something. But it's nice to hear that you guys out there don't think it seems frivolous or lame to get rid of something only to need it again. Because the opposite of that, and what she was pointing out in that article that I loved so much was like, yeah, but otherwise you're just storing a whole bunch of stuff you're not using. So like either one has a drawback. Yeah, we're in the process of, I think, getting rid of like a whole box of ornaments that we haven't really hung anywhere in like three years. Yeah, I kept hoarding them. Like maybe I'll put them on a tree eventually. Or, you know, now we've done the little mini tree in the bonus room. We didn't use them there. So anything that's not been used, I'm trying to say, there's no reason to wait for it to be used. If we're not actively using it, then it's not necessary. Well, you guys can see this poll on the show notes for episode 24. Um, And also in that show notes, you'll see the link to the article about decluttering epiphanies if you didn't catch that the first time. But we love hearing from you guys. So thanks for playing along and surprising me. I like surprises. Can I surprise you with a quiz? (laughs) I didn't see that one coming. (laughs) Surprise! So this is the portion of the show where I like to quiz Sherry. I'm going to give her a category of things in which most are real, but one I made up. And she has to tell me what's real and what's not. This week, I'm drawing from an article from House Beautiful entitled, Seven Mistakes You Make Vacuuming. Oh, I make all of these. (laughs) I'm such a JV vacuumer. (laughs) Number one, I don't do it enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to give you five. Four are real, one I made up. First mistake, you don't stick to a schedule. Okay, I could buy that. Second mistake, you don't go in both directions. Go in both directions. This already feels like overkill. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> I can't just vacuum my runner while walking down the runner. You need me to go cross hatch on it, really. Mistake number three, you don't let the bag fill up enough. No, that's wrong. You don't want it to fill up too much. Mistake number four, you don't take your time. I mean, obviously, if you're super speedy, you just like roll right over the crumbs and it doesn't get sucked up. And number five, you don't dust beforehand. I agree with that. Does everyone know that? I've learned this recently. You should do everything. Just recently? (laughs) Just recently I've noticed this. Because sometimes I vacuum and then I'm like, hmm, I still have some stamina left. I'll dust. But that's bad because all my dust is falling onto the ground that I just vacuumed. So you want to dust all the high things like your light fixtures and your um, shelves. I have a big feather duster. People are like, you have so many tchotchkes and built-ins. How do you clean it all? All the picture frames on the wall. Feather duster knocks that stuff right off. Then you vacuum because it's all settled to the ground. So yes, that's my long answer. I was going to say, are you just avoiding the question? (laughs) Number five is right, and I don't think you made it. I think not letting the bag fill up too much is the fake because the answer, the mistake is actually letting the bag fill up too much that it like kicks it back out. You are in suspense. The father? (laughs) Is this Maury? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're right. That is the fake one. Because your logic was perfectly right that the mistake they actually listed is you don't empty the bag enough. They said that once it fills up beyond about halfway, you're starting to lose suction power. So I think probably a lot of us, myself included, like assume that- Ours is a canister. It's not a bag, but same thing. Well, same thing. Yeah. Right. Is that like once it's full, you empty it. But this is suggesting you should actually be emptying it before it gets filled. 
Uh, but I thought there were some interesting tips in there also about like, you should slow down a little bit. It's not a race. The, like the longer you <laughs> pace yourself over your Mine carpet. is like cardio. <laughs> I do it so fast and I'm so sweaty. But then I'm like, whew, I don't need to go to the gym today. My heart rate is you're, up. You're like that stereotypical like cleaning commercial with persons like dancing to music in their no, headphones. I'm, not, I'm like straight up running through the house. <laughs> I'm like, I have 10 minutes to do this before the kids wreck it again. Um, I will put a link to this article. Again, it's from House Beautiful, and it's Seven Mistakes You Make Vacuuming. Well, should we uh, make our phone call? Yes, we get to call the Novogratz. Yes, Robert and Courtney Novogratz, you've probably heard us talk about them before. You may know them from, they had a show on Bravo, they had a show on HGTV, they've had products at CB2 and other places. Um, You also may know them because they have seven children. Yeah, super famous for that. (laughs) Um, But we're excited to talk to them. Let's get them on the horn. Just get him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, Sherry. Hey, John. How are you? How are you guys? It's so good to talk to you. We're excited to talk with you as well. It's been a while since we first met. Yeah, I know. We were saying our meeting back in, I think, 2012 when we were both out on our book tour in Ohio was like so fleeting because I think you guys were running out to catch your flight. We like popped up from our tables. Yes, but it was a pleasure meeting you for you, sure. You guys were the ones with the really long line. of all. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being like, there are lots of real authors here and everyone's like, who are these bloggers? I know you guys had an incredible audience. We were super impressed. It was very intimidating. It was our very first stop for our very first book. So oh, we, that's funny. Oh, wow. That's fun. Yeah. But um, we want to talk to you guys about a lot of stuff today. Obviously, your new book, because it, we've got our hands on it. It is quite beautiful. Thank you. We definitely wanted you to feel like you're you're there in Brazil. And I should say, for anyone who hasn't picked it up, it's called Beachside Bohemian. And it is an interesting book because it's like a guide to how you make carve out a special space for your family, but also for guests, visitors, family, and friends who might be staying in your home. And I think it does make a lot of sense in these days with Airbnb and even with people, you know, who are just having guests over for the holidays. How do you make that guest room uh, feel like a welcoming space? Exactly. Just, you know, people come in for possibly the holidays. It used to be like, make your bathroom a spa-like bathroom. Well, now you really can make special moments in your house for your loved ones, which is really key to making a special week or however long they're visiting and staying. And I should add that we recently shared with our listeners that we just bought a fixer-upper on the beach. It's not in Brazil. Well, house swap. <laughs> That's kind of you to, to think that it's been even trade. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't know if this Brazil family would love our little house at the beach. You were just kind enough to let all nine of us show up. That's <laughs> Yeah, I guess I should add it's only a four-bedroom. <laughs> yeah. That's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was curious, you know, since I have that in my mind now, how did you approach designing that house differently than you've approached a full-time residence? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, you don't need to have all your personal belongings in a home like that. You want to make it feel that people are there. There are at a faraway place. So I feel like that's one thing. Too. Less is best. Less is best. You don't need a ton of clutter. Even when you're renting, you don't want, for instance, breakables. Uh, that's truly one reason we uh, bought a house is because when we rented places, the kids would we'd always lose the security deposit. Yeah, know, so, well, we can't yeah. fit in a hotel anymore, yeah, exactly. and so we always needed a house. So we would house swap or rent houses, and there would be so many tchotchkes, and I would be clearing things away. So just less is best. Even like that spare guest bedroom, you know, beautiful kind of decorative pillow, maybe a gorgeous candle or you know flowers and some reading materials. But you know, you really don't need um, so much. 
think that's an important think, tip for you to hear, Sherry. I know, because I love that kind of decorating. But I do think you're right. When we go places, I'm always putting things up that I worry the kids are going to hurt. And I also think that I'm drawn to those beautifully simple hotel rooms that just have like a cushy, comfy bed, maybe a minimalist headboard and side table. So that's a good vibe, I think, to go for. Yeah, you know, so we've been fortunate enough to design several boutique hotels. And what we tell people is create a boutique experience um, and those little touches. And it doesn't have to be a lot. People just want to feel, you know, a nice a book collection or we have vinyl. Like people love, you know, show up and there's a record player and they're playing vinyl. So there's all those little touches that make it, um, I think, somewhat exciting for people. And you can have a fun piece of art that shares a little personality as opposed to like a lot of tchotchkes. Oh, that's a good idea. Like stuff on the walls, but that's not like at kid hand height. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And what about, I know since you guys have seven kids and such a wide age range, what is their age range again? So Wolfgang's 19 all the way down to major seven. So major's close to your daughter, right? Your older daughter. Yeah. Yeah. She's six and a half. Six. Yeah. So they're the same age. She's in first grade and all in between. Yeah. How do you, uh, do you have any tips for people out there? Maybe who feel like their house is getting overrun with kid stuff and they want some organizational tips. Oh my gosh, we always have an abundance of stuff. They go to birthday parties now and they come home with gifts. I'm like, what? This is crazy. (laughs) So (laughs) we constantly are decluttering, but I am a big fan of kind of exposed hooks. And again, they can be clear, they can be vintage, and then kids can start to kind of hang up their own coat, hang up their backpacks, maybe have bins that are on, that can be hung on hooks like bags so they can put all their Legos in that. So it gets things up and off the floor because you know, that's where the clutter begins. And then we still have to remind ourselves and our seven kids, we don't need so much. So if we're going to buy like a great piece of art or go to a flea market, usually that month, we're also getting rid of something. So, you know, I think people need to definitely go through their house at least three times a year and just either donate, have a tag sale, give someone stuff and get your kids involved. I mean, we've had tag sales where, you know, they've learned like, well, Christmas is coming. You're going to have a lot of new stuff arriving. So let's get rid of some yeah, stuff. When people come to our, our home, they're surprised our kids don't have a lot of toys. or um, We try not to obviously spoil them, but they just don't need as much as you think. You fortunately don't have any um, older boys, but the, I don't know if you've seen this thing now. These kids, they flip a water bottle all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it on Facebook. That's our joke is that they're getting water bottles for Christmas, and that's all. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Less is best. It's like quality versus quantity. So yeah, my kids major has tons of Legos, but they go in a loose site trunk that also can be served as a bedside table or a coffee table. It, it serves a purpose too. And it also stores stuff. It's almost so sounding like you're suggesting like choose your things wisely. You know, they don't have to have all the things, but have the right things. Exactly. You know, we definitely like the hunt and we like to collect things. And through the years, we've taken our kids with us. And what we do is we try to say, okay, you know, and it started just trying to buy more time, you know, to go through the flea market and kids are, you know, crying and falling apart. But if you get them involved and say, why don't we look for old sports things or old trophies, you know, so through the years, it gets them engaged and then they start to have a design eye and something and they start taking responsibility for their space and what they want to do and bring into the house and into their room. That actually reminds me of a question I wanted to ask you guys, because we get this question a lot. How do you recommend or any tips you have for involving your kids in the design of their space? Um, Well, I think the biggest thing is ask them instead of push them away or let them don't not give them an opinion. So I love the fact you guys work together like Robert and I do. And so our kids constantly see 
how we, you know, kind of work together. And so we'll say we're doing a new project or we're building a new house or renovating. What do you guys, you know, want to bring to the table? And you'd be surprised. They really have an opinion and they're exposed to things because we always bring them along. We keep exposing them to art and to music and to architecture and, um, and, and they start to get it and start to bring their own ideas, which is really nice. So ask them, what color do you want the room? Well, let's say they say purple. You don't have to paint the whole room purple, but don't shut them down and say, well, maybe we can do the doors purple or the trim or the ceiling, you know, um, and then let them kind of start to guide you. And I promise it works because they start to kind of have ownership. How do you guys navigate the challenge of, especially you were saying a lot of them share rooms of making sure that if they have different interests, how do you, I guess, meld those? Our twin daughters, they're fraternal twins. We, they're old enough now with this latest house. We gave them a budget and we said, what do you guys want to do with your space? It was a shared bedroom, but they had their own side of the room. And Tallulah decided to take that money and start an art collection of like limited edition and prints. And she was probably smart because now she says if she ever moves out, she gets to take that with her. And Bellamy took the money and got wallpaper And so we didn't have the budget to do the entire space and wallpaper, but she did one signature wall. But what was great for them is they had a say. They chose. And they also know what the budget was. So they know to take care of things. I also love the give them a budget thing. That's like a math lesson right there, too. Exactly. And they started to really get it and understand, you know, of, okay, now mom and dad are letting us break down the expense of our room and how that works. So. Um, and we were we were really proud of them. They, you know, compromised. They talked things through. So, you know, I think at one point Tallulah th- talked about having a graffiti wall and Bellamy was not up for that. So they got a print that's graffiti instead that's just in a frame. It's so cool. It's like teaching them how to navigate these disagreements, but in a way that everybody feels like there's a nice compromise. I love that. We actually had a, a six bedroom house and we turned it to a four bedroom house. So we didn't we wanted the kids to have to share. Um, we made them share and we wanted the bigger space, which they shared and not give each of their own room. And, you know, they're, they're only with you for a certain amount of time. And it's, uh, you know, I think it forces them to get along with each other. And so we, we're really big believers of that. Now, you guys have a very specific aesthetic, I would say. Like, you know what's your style, and I'm sure when you come across it at a flea market or in a boutique, you're like, that's it. For anyone out there listening who isn't quite sure what their style is yet, do you have any pointers for them to sort of discover their style or figure out what they like and what they don't like? We just came up with this really fun new app. Um, It's called GraziDesign.com, and it's really fun. You guys got to take it. It's kind of like Tinder for design. It's a quiz. It's a design quiz. And you look at several images and you and you go love hate love hate and oh it's like a swipe right swipe left yeah swipe right if you like it swipe left and to be honest our kids because we learn from them as much as you know we try to teach them they were like because we were sharing that so many people like you said sherry don't know what their style is or maybe their partner is more modern and they're more traditional and so our kids are like first of all you got to make it fast you got to make it free and like a quiz and make it like a dating site and so literally we're like okay we can do that and so you literally just take the quiz, graziedesign.com, and then we say at the end, based on what you like, if you're preppy or if you're boho chic, and then we tell you different places to go, whether Instagram followers or what have you, that are similar tastes to yours. 
I love that it suggests Instagram accounts to follow too, because I think what we found in our own relationship, and we're lucky that we're very similar, but that doesn't mean we're exactly the same. And whenever we're not on the same page about a project we're headed into, we often want to look at as many pictures as we can together and figure out who's attracted to what and what in that image is the thing that's pulling us towards that or that we don't like so we can figure out where the similarities are. So I always find for us that consuming more images, the better. And now, I mean, we have an abundance, right, which is incredible through you know, Pinterest and Instagram and bloggers like you guys. And just, it's it's a world of such rich ideas that it's exciting. Well, it was so good to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Same Thanks, here. Guys. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, yeah talk you to guys you take soon. care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. If you guys want to check out some of the Novograt stuff yourself, we'll put links to everything in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. So you can visit their e-commerce site. You can see their books. You can even check out their new app. It'll all be there. Okay, and now we're going to move on to We're Digging. But first, we have to take a quick break. So as you guys heard, this episode is brought to you by DIYs, a free phone app which not only has tons of how-to project videos, but is also a way for you to get personalized do-it-yourself advice in just minutes on your phone. Yeah, so you know those moments where like you can't quite figure out how to wire that new light fixture? They've got a pro advisor feature that lets you live video chat with a licensed professional, kind of like FaceTiming with an expert when you get stuck. And we actually talked to one of the contractors you might find yourself chatting with. His name's Jim Anderson, and John asked him this. What do you like most about being a pro advisor? I like working one-on-one with a homeowner, knowing that I've made their life a little easier by helping them do it themselves. And a live visit in person at your home can be very expensive and time-consuming waiting for that to happen. But with the phone feature, I can look at the project. So it is really almost like having me there in the room with them. DIY's Pro Advisor calls are just $10 for your first 10 minutes and a dollar per minute after that. But you can actually make these calls for free until the end of the year, just to try them out. You can learn more about DIYs by visiting DIYs.com slash YHL. That's DIY with a Z on the end. And you can download their app for free in the Apple App Store or in Google Play. And while you're in the app, you can search YHL in the search bar, and you might just see some videos from a couple of familiar faces. There are faces, guys. Are you ready to dig some stuff? Oh, yes. Let's get digging. I got to play some music first. Whenever you say we're digging, I think of that line, got a shovel, can you dig it, fool? Can you dig it? We can dig it. Can you dig it? We can dig it. I have no idea what you're talking about. Upside down and inside out. About to show all you folks what it's all about. Nope. No? Someone out there knows what I'm saying. Whoop. There it is. Hitman. You don't remember that song? I, well, I know can the chorus of that it? song. Can you dig it? We can dig it. Can you dig it? And moving on. <laughs> so my we're digging this week is small compartment organizers. Hashtag nerd boy. (laughs) It sounds weird, but it's something that has really helped me as I've been um, trying to figure out how to say this without using the word shed. You're going to (laughs) say organizing my shed. And I'm going to say, oh, John's talking about the shed again. I've been organizing a space, an outdoor (laughs) space filled with tools. And I've been buying some organizer stuff. And once I've figured it all out, I'll probably write a blog post about it. That's right, because he's not done. Because I'm not done. It's a process. (laughs) I just lose John hours in the day. He just goes out to the shed and disappears. It's like my Saturday afternoon ritual. And I think he's going to be done. Like I walk out there, it's getting dark. I'm like, ooh, let me see what you've done. And he's like, well, see, I've I've all I've done is I've organized my wire caps. Right, right. Like I'm ready for it to be finished. And he's like, what I did here is this corner, and the corner looks exactly the same as it looked before. But he put like the screws in the right compartments. Don't you throw shade at (laughs) the progress that is happening in there. 
Back to the small part organizers. These are like little, almost kind of like toolboxy or like tackle box things. Yeah, or, they look like a tackle box. They probably even sell them at the craft store for organizing like thread and spindles. Needles. I don't know other things that knitters do. Scrapbooking supplies. Maybe. But I'm using it to organize like different size screws and nails and everything. But what I decided to do in the process was also to make a little like picture hanging kit. Because what we have been doing up until now is whenever we want to hang a picture around the house, like I go to our tool drawer and we've got like a mason jar with nails in it and then like a random box of screws and then maybe like a like, canister of ook hooks. But then if we want an anchor because it's heavier, then we have to go into the garage and look for the yeah. anchors and things are everywhere. And they're like, we'd walk upstairs like juggling like five things. And right. I don't know why we never put them together in one thing. But actually, when we were on that um, video shoot up in Baltimore, one of the guys on the crew there, when we were trying to hang something, he just opened up this big tackle box type thing. And in it, he had like all of his ook hooks and picture hangers and all of his sawtooths. D-rings, yeah. yeah, sawtooths. I had like all the heart eyes at that moment. <laughs> you were just like he, staring. He was like, John, what do you want? I was just like, I'm taking this all in. I need a moment. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Teardrop. So I've, I've made this kind of kit for us just to keep in one place every possible thing we might need to hang something in the wall, whether it be a screw or an anchor or a picture hanger. And I feel kind of dumb that we haven't done it before. Right. Seems like such an obvious thing. Yeah, it's just nice that if you're going upstairs, instead of carrying five things and bobbling them around, you now can grab one thing. I'll put a link to some of these in the show notes, including the one that I've been using. But the thing I learned very quickly is that um, you don't need as much space as you think you might need. Like unless you're storing the actual like box that the screws and anchors come in, if you empty things out in the compartment, they take up remarkably small Right, it's almost like if you buy a box with big dividers because you think, oh, it's going to be great to have all this space. It's almost more helpful to have the same size box with twice as many compartments that yeah. are smaller because the big ones don't really get The filled. one I ended up using is only probably like like four or five inches by like eight inches. It does have these removable dividers so you can take them out to make bigger compartments, but I'm finding that I'm using the smallest version of each compartment for most things because they're just like nails and anchors. They're not very big. And what I'm digging is something very different. I'm digging jeans. Oh, jeans. What a novel idea. People, <laughs> people have probably never heard of these. <laughs> well, they're specific jeans. They're jeans that fit my short, stubby little body. Because for anyone listening <laughs> who doesn't know, I'm 5'2", and I'm little, and I have short legs. And when I buy jeans, you know how you can buy like the long length, the regular length, or the short length? I buy the short length of jeans, and they're still too long. So I usually have to alter them myself. I've learned, you know, on Pinterest, there's like all these how to hem your own jeans and keep the original bottoms. And I've learned how to do that. So I'll either hem my own pants or I'll have them done professionally if they're like fancy pants and I don't want to ruin them. And I typically shop at Old Navy for jeans. But lately, okay, it was spawned by seeing myself on camera in jeans that didn't fit. And I felt sloppy and embarrassed at that shoot in Baltimore. So I realized if I'm going to wear the same thing or some variation of the same thing every day, I at least can make it fit my short stubby legs. So I went to Nordstrom with my friend who swears that their services are great because I can find something that actually fits my body. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm not going to buy anything off the shelf. I'm going to have to get it hemmed or sewn in a way that it fits my body. But she was totally right. I found these jeans. They're called Treasure and Bond is the brand. And the type is called the crop. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It sounds like some like superhero like crime fighting dude. It does. Like, I'm treasure. I'm bond. No, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like two attorneys in suits. And they'll be like, <laughs> that's why you can trust treasure and bond. Have you been in an accident? Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, but anyway, the brand, um, they're, I'm sure they're very nice people. Let's not make fun of their jeans, John Petersick. They're um, crop skinny jeans in the Midnight Rinse. Midnight Rinse makes them basically black. They were $79, which was not cheap. But some of the jeans I touched at Nordstrom, I screamed because they were like three fifty. I was like, "Wow!" Ah! You're the lady just screaming and jumping. Back. I'm just walking around Nordstrom, touching things and screaming because I'm used to Old Navy prices, guys. But old, even Old Navy Banana Gap, you can spend thirty nine, forty nine, fifty nine. So like seventy nine is not the worst thing in the world if they fit. And dude, off the rack, you guys, these fit. And they're tight around the ankle, which is another problem I have. Because if you're petite and you buy skinny jeans, but they're loose, they kind of hang around your foot. Like a squirrel might run up them? (laughs) That's one problem. (laughs) That's what I worry about all the time. All the time. Problem two is that it looks like a high water, right? Like when you're wearing a cropped skinny, you need it to be tight so it looks intentional and chic and not like... Oops, I just cut these off of the ankle and they're too short. You're looking at me like I should understand this, but no. this is like a foreign language to me. I'm just explaining. To sh- this is a short girl problem. You have tall guy problems. I have short girl I problems. I got no problems. <laughs> you got nine nine problems, but your jeans ain't one. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say is if you're tall and you're like, do, 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 these won't help me. They're actually shown on a beautiful tall girl on the website. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'm obsessed with them for all body types because they have a little bit of stretch. They're a nice dark rinse. There's no whiskering. I can't hang with the whiskering. Um, speaking of stretch... Oh, gosh. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to my jeans because everyone wants my fashion advice. I know you guys are just <laughs> clamoring for it. And I found these jeans at Banana Republic. I think they're called like the athletic something. You're really going to go for this yes, jean thing. I love these jeans. I found them at the outlet. <laughs> they have some stretch to them. Yeah. They're not tight. No, they're very baggy looking, which is why like, it's surprising to hear they're stretch. They're like half spandex. They're like a loose jegging. <laughs> they're a man jegging. Just listen. <laughs> That's them snapping back into place. They're awesome. I can kick in them. I can work in my shed. And John said shed again. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. We know that you could be blasting holiday music right now, so we're really glad to get a spot on your playlist. And you guys probably know what I'm going to say next. You know the thing about leaving a rating or review on iTunes and how they're really helpful and they're also really easy to do. So since you all know, we'll just move on. And thanks for sharing what you do while listening on social media. Like Patricia, who's a newborn photographer at a hospital and listens while she edits cute little baby photos. And don't forget to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Like a look at the 14, yes, 14 swatches of paint we tested on the beach house. And a link to my favorite jeans. And mine. Uh, bye. Later. And if you're tall, they hit you sort of like... Is this like your Adam's apple on your leg? Your, your leg Adam's, Adam's apple? apple. It's, like, <laughs> it's like that knuckle. What would you call that? No. <laughs> you know that elbow on your foot? <laughs> <laughs>